Ah, yes, friends. On a Tuesday, as we do, it's OGP One Giant Podcast, where I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking it down, along with my co-host, Andy Makowitz. No introductions. We need to get into the meat of it. How are you, sir, on this Tuesday? Uh, feeling good, feeling wise, feeling um um number in the rafters. By the way, I don't think that we've I've acknowledged this on air. Is that the is that the official retired or is that that has to be a replica, right? Because the official jerseys in the rafters uh, at the high school, right? They don't they don't no. at home with you, do they? So so that one is just a uh, a charity uh, soccer tournament jersey that I I had for a uh, a, a nonprofit volunteer thing that I did. Just threw it up there because it doesn't look as nice in the background if it's just all white. So I had that up there for a meeting earlier. Left it there. But Adam, much like you uh, enjoy other teams in the New York sports area outside of the New York football giants doing the lockdown mm-hmm. nets, I am very excited about the Yankee game tonight. Playoffs, Red Sox, Yankees, October, fall air. It, it doesn't get much better than that. No, listen, I mean, in a, you know, in a week when uh, both uh, football teams won, right, you got at least one baseball team. Looking to go to, I don't consider this to be officially the playoffs just yet. You know, this is an aperitif. So, and if you're a Yankees, I'll ask you quickly, if you're a Yankees fan, you know, was it enough to make it to this game or do you have to win this game? No, I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, making the playoffs is kind of the floor and then everything else from there, you got to win. You got to win around. You can't, you can't get knocked out in the play in game or the ALDS. It's ALCS World Series. It's championships are bust. That's why they're the most storied franchise in, in all of American sports. Obviously, obviously. They call that a softball question in the biz. Uh, let's focus on another team who's planning on making the playoffs, the New York Football Giants. We uh, we covered the great win, obviously. Uh, Daniel Jones getting a lot of praise. You were sending me stuff before we got on. Um, Dan Orlovsky doing some film study, talking about really what we alluded to in the last episode, right? That it looks like Daniel Jones is evolving as a quarterback, starting to get into the system more, being able to do, you know, through the progressions, looking off defenses, creating opportunities for some of his weapons, which is all well and good. Um, but when we look at this team, we, we thought about, okay, let's get those weapons on the offensive side healthy, obviously. On the defensive side, though, this is a team that this past week had to run Tay Crowder, maximum reps, 100%. You had Raglan see a big uptick there as well. Uh, along with Ojolari, along with Lorenzo Carter. They kind of truncated things a little bit. But you had mentioned this name, I think, a couple episodes ago around the possibility of trading for the, at the time, (laughs) Detroit Lion, Jamie Collins, now former Detroit Lion free agent uh, linebacker on the market. I I think that this is just worth diving into, understanding that Blake Martinez is lost for the year. The Giants took some some flyers on some young players that are on the practice squad, but, but not yet ready, we would think, by all indications. Where do you stand on the idea of Jamie Collins being a viable option to help this defense get stronger? Yeah, I mean, you look at Tay Crowder getting 100% of the snaps. I don't think Giant a fans lot. thought that was going to be the situation in week four that he'd be getting 100% of, of the reps at linebacker. But here we are, and that's what happens when Blake Martinez uh, goes out with an injury. You know, your your man of the preseason, someone that you've really had high hopes for, Carter Coughlin, has not really seen the field outside of, of preseason snaps um, in terms of, of the linebacking position. Yeah, he's still on special teams. So, you know, you still have high hopes for him, but I'll tell you, having some combination of Reggie Raglan and Tay Crowder playing 100% on one side and, and high numbers on the other, we, we have to go look out on the, the open market. And the fact that, you know, Collins is released from Detroit and is, is a free agent, probably setting the scene to see where he wants to end up. I mean, what better spot than to be able to step into a starting role 
with some familiarity from the Patriots or, you know, days with some of some of the staff here, as well as some of the front office that was in Detroit. It just makes too much sense with Blake Martinez being out for the year, him looking to find a team where he can contribute and get back out in the open market again next year. I, I love the fit. And, you know, if we can get those reps down for Tay Crowder so that he's just supplementing as opposed to expecting him every time, I think it's a win. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Jamie Collins. He's, you know, he's almost 32. So obviously he's on the older side of, of NFL players in general, I guess. But you, you like to think he still has something uh, left in the tank. He's a little bit taller, a little bit faster than Blake Martinez. So it would be a different dynamic that you'd be bringing back into the room. You'd be closer, I think, to the Tay Crowder spectrum than to the Reggie Ragland spectrum, which is a good thing because we always talk about the Giants just needing to be a little bit faster, needing to be a little bit quicker. I think he gives the right combination there. He didn't get a ton of reps uh, in Detroit this season, but you know, if you want to go by some metrics, right? It was an okay PFF grade so far for this season for Blake Martinez prior to the injury. We know he was a near 76 last year, but but Jamie Collins has those sprinkled in going back to 2019 and having a really strong season. So I, yes, I, I mean, I think it makes all the sense in the world, the familiarity maybe with New England and Joe Judge, etc. Um, this is the question that I wanted to get to on this, and it'll tie into another area of the defense that we're going to fall into as well, though. Uh, is Jamie Collins good enough to be this supplemental piece? Because I think you could even look at him and say, if we think some of these young players could be contributors, maybe we just need to get there, right? Maybe that's after the bye week that we think some of these other guys that we took some flyers on can, can be contributors. So that could be one aspect of it. The other aspect to me, though, would be, it seems vaguely familiar, you know, Giants is later in the year, but Giants with a bad record going out, making a big move to trade for a player, right? Dave Gettleman went out and got Leonard Williams a couple of years ago when the Giants were two and six saying, hey, this is the move that gets this job done. Do you see that maybe being a possibility for the Giants as well? You know, one and three, I think that you make it through this upcoming game, right? Next couple of games. If you lose them both, maybe you go ahead and just hold yourself back and Jamie Collins makes the most sense in the world. Any other version of this where the Giants would look out to the marketplace and maybe see as the deadline approaches, is there a way that we improve this team for the short and you know maybe potentially long term? So I think what, what you need to do is you need to look at, at, at the roster, right? So we have Tay Crowder that's, that's starting 100% of the snaps. Right now, Tay Crowder has a 44.3 overall pro football focus rating. Solid. Not... Yeah. Great. And when we think about, you know, how things have been in the past with the Giants, you know, Dave Gettleman has gone out with a losing record previously and gone out to acquire top talent. Jamie Collins is a free agent, so you're not really giving up much. And while you may want to see a younger player and take Crowder, you know, 44.3 doesn't really give your team a chance right? while you still have a shot at potentially winning a, a less than a difficult division, you know, yep. with the Cowboys looking OK right now. So, so for me, I think it's a, a no-brainer move to at least bring Jimmy Collins in. And, and remember, the, the writing may be on the wall with this one already because the Giants already restructured James Bradbury yeah. uh, you know, last week for just over $2 million to give themselves $2.5 million in cap space. That cap space looks perfectly earmarked for a veteran that needs to come in and supplement and start right away. And that's the type of person that Collins is without having to give up any capital at all. Yeah. And then that's why, obviously that's the short term. I think it makes all the sense in the world. There's a, you know, there's, there's times and points in a season when you think, and we, we debated about, you know, the Gettleman Leonard Williams move for, for seems like millennia, but, but ultimately that was the idea and they, they did it. They brought him back on a contract, right? So that was the big picture. And obviously prime of his career player, as opposed to where Jamie Collins is. And I think it makes sense too, because even a Tay Crowder, you said at the top there, 
it's not like the expectations were Tay Crowder, you're going to play 100% of the snaps. Like that wasn't the plan. So I do think that his value also gets better, right? When you bring in Jamie Collins, now you can say, well, now Tay Crowder, you get to settle back into what you what you do best, not get overexposed, and hopefully give value to this defensive side of the ball as well. So I, it, it makes sense. I, I don't. I, and by the way, as a free agent, I, I don't see any. I don't see any downside to it. like what's the worst case scenario that you spend the money that you created off of Bradbury, Jamie Collins looks completely shot, and you end up releasing him, right? Like that's the that, that's the worst case scenario. Two million dollars to find out if maybe this guy can help you get through this season and. Maybe take this defense that has been, you know, let's let's be honest, floundering around what a C minus for the season at best, probably. What if it can just get you to C, right, and get you to level? And I think that that's that's the kind of shots and risks, quote unquote, the Giants should be looking to take here. Yeah, and and there's a couple other things that I think are, are noteworthy worthy for us to to kind of list on the defensive side of the ball. We'll stick at the linebacking position. Um, O'Shane is Jimenez. Only 21% of the snaps don't really see him out there that often. I think that's kind of noteworthy. The second piece of it, Darnay Holmes, three snaps for the entire game. Which way do you want to go, Adam? Which one is more surprising to you or which one concerns you more? The Darnay Holmes one probably concerns me more and is more surprising. Not 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 based on the results. People had said he was struggling early in the year, et cetera. Um, I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because we know Aaron Robinson is waiting to get out there on the field, right? He's going to be out at least for the first six weeks before he can come back from injury. Um, so I shouldn't be surprised because the Giants went and attacked to get that player in the draft. But Darnay Holmes, <laughs> he's still a part of the new collection of toys we thought the Giants were going to have at their disposal. I, I guess if you want to look at him in the same vein that we look at a Tate Crowder and say, nice piece can be a contributor, but certainly we don't want to risk him being overexposed because the the alternative had been now to put in Julian Love there. And we kind of know what that sample size is too. I, you know, out of the two of them, I think Julian Love has had a little bit of a roller coaster time with the Giants and seems like he's found a rhythm and can be a contributor on this team. But this is really what the Giants are doing defensively. This is what Patrick Graham is doing defensively, kind of throwing dart shots here and seeing what sticks. So it, it, it'll be disappointing or it already is disappointing that Darnay Holmes, it's not that you lost your job to Robinson, it's that you're losing your job to Julian Love. You know, that, that just means that you, you, the performance dictates that you cannot be on the field. So that's a, that's alarming. That means that big picture, Darnay Holmes, not a contributor for this team. Like, that, that's it. Like, right? Like, you have to look at him and say, and out of the two, you go, great. At least Julian Love looks like he can be a part of this team, which we maybe weren't sure about coming into the year. Flip it over, though. Darnay Holmes already possibly done. Well, there's another name that you didn't mention as for Darius Williams. So, you know, at the cornerback position, he got 25% of the snaps as a late drafted, you know, rookie. And you can see that he's already overtaking some of those spots. You mentioned, you know, Robinson, you mentioned Julian Love. Darnay Holmes is slowly moving uh, down the pecking order, which is good. I mean, if he ends up being a a decent depth piece and these guys are going to play better than him, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, You know, when, when we switch over to the offensive side of the ball, and we, and we think about what we saw this past Sunday. There's one thing that sticks out to me like a sore thumb when we talk about, you know, snap counts and who was out there and who wasn't. And Adam, it's very simple. Both tackles, both guards, and the center, and Daniel Jones all played 100% of the snaps. And like, when we think about what that means for the Giants from an offensive line perspective... They did not give up a single sack during this game either. It's like, 
we had some consistency. The offense yep. also played well. We weren't shuffling guys in and out. We kind of found a rotation. There's a bunch of uh, different Twitter videos online of like circling the pocket around Daniel Jones when he has time to throw. You're like, wow, so this is like what it's like when you have a quarterback that you think could be really good if you give him just like a little bit of a pocket and you give him some consistency on the offensive line. Yeah, listen, the left guard position has obviously been just a revolving door. You get Skura in there this past week. And, you know, now I'll say two things, and it's nice because the Giants end up playing well. They don't give up any sacks. So you, you get to look at that and say, everybody played, and Daniel Jones had a really solid game. So this is really good. Also, when you're starting your fourth left guard of the season and you've already had a position change for a guy who went down with an injury, you also know that, like, this can also be a product of desperation of like, hey, you guys all better play 100% of the snaps because we don't have we, – we we didn't bring in 30 offensive linemen this year. We brought in about 9 or 10, and then we shuffled in another 3 or 4, right? Like at a certain point – and I do like this, though. At a certain point, the Giants have to say, this is where we're at, and hopefully if Skura can stick there. Now, that was an injury to the hand of Bredersen, 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 um, Bredesen. that kept him out of this game. But he hadn't been performing well prior to that. So th- th- that more felt like that was the stopgap to get to Skura once he was up to speed and ready to go, right? He's a veteran guard. Now, the I guess the unfortunate big picture view here is when you look at this offensive line and you think about the fact that you have two aged veterans in the mix there with Skura and Solder, and then whatever Hernandez is going to be potentially leaving. I mean, that, that's all down the road here, right? We thought this was going to be a, a young stud offensive line out there for us this year. But whatever gets the job done, and if this unit collectively can play strong, can play sound, and give Daniel Jones time, all of a sudden you can look at these matchups on a week-to-week basis, look at them, though it took into overtime, getting 27 points up on the board this past week, right? Points. That's what the NFL is. So being able to do that is the most important thing. you got to look at that and at least feel like, Let's go another week now, right? Now check this box another time for me, and I'll feel like we've really found something. Well, there, there's there's two things. It's it's inexplicable, but you know Andrew Thomas was the only offensive lineman that had above like a, a sixty in terms of his pro football focus rating in this game. Mm-hmm. Yet nobody they didn't give up a sack across the offensive line. So like y- your mind goes to well, if they played poorly, but Daniel Jones didn't get a sack, like how does that happen? And I think he really felt it in the run game. You could just tell that you know. Saquon Barkley didn't really have any any room to navigate. They, I think they trotted out uh, Booker out there for like one carry. And you look at Brightwell. Brightwell didn't even see an offensive snap. He only played on special teams. So they realized the run game, you know, the, the run protection has to be, even run blocking has to get better for, for the Giants. I, I think the one thing that you're probably most surprised about is Matt Pert, four snaps, special teams, that's it. Like didn't even see the field. And if I would have told you, Adam, you know, a couple weeks ago in, in, the, in training camp that Matt Pert was going to be fully healthy and only playing on special teams, you would have said what? Yeah, I, I would have been absolutely flabbergasted by it, right? Because, I listen, you could have painted a picture where he was splitting time with somebody and rotating through this year. Remember, third-round pick, right? And we like what we saw from him. I, I could have understood it. I would have still been surprised if you told me it was Nate Solder that was rotating with him, right? I'm now completely floored that Nate Solder is starting games, obviously, but he can come along, right? Just as, as, a, as a little tidbit in the background. It's just like Andrew Thomas. Now, Andrew Thomas, you can't afford to sit down and put someone else in there, not only because the Giants don't have anyone to put in there, but also because he's your he's your fourth overall first-round pick. He, he has to perform. He has to work through his lumps, and he has. So now as he starts to grow and look better, that that's a good thing for the left side of this line. I think Matt Pert, you can afford to say, all right, 
It just doesn't look something doesn't look right here. Let's go ahead and pull you out of this and let's try to figure this out so that you still can be a viable option on this line for the big picture. The the other thing I'll say though is that I, I think the big benefit when you talk about PFF grades and you go inside and you look at it, listen. I, I, this is a little tip of the cap to Jason Garrett and then also to the snap count. When everybody's playing on the line, it just offers consistency. It offers predictability. Even in your weaknesses, it still offers consistency and predictability for Daniel Jones to know. How do I need to manage what Nate Solder's weaknesses are? We've seen this on a game-to-game basis. Nate Solder gets beat around the edge. That's where he's going to have the hardest time because he doesn't have the quick step anymore, right? Okay, so I want to try to get up into the pocket as often as possible. That's where I do depend on Hernandez and Price, right? And this week, Skura to give me a little room in there to make that happen. So that's the other piece of this. Sometimes we've talked about Giants teams of the past. Just being available and letting everyone, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and the other offensive linemen, when they have a sense of where you're going to be, then it makes it easier for them to do their job. And I I wouldn't be surprised, especially on the left side, keep an eye on that this week, tough matchup we'll get into later in the week, but how does Thomas look as him and Skura now get into a rhythm? Thomas has played well in spite of having a rotating cast next to him, something you hate to see next to a second-year tackle. Yeah, and and Adam, I I think the the most important thing is guys aren't aren't thinking if they make one mistake on the offensive line they're getting pulled off the field, and that's what it felt like for the first few weeks. It's like, is it going to be Pert? Is it Solder? Oh, we give up a bad holding penalty. Bring the other guy in. It's like, no, we're, we're going to work through this. We're going to be consistent. We know not every single guy on the offensive line is is going to be flawless throughout the game. There's going to be a holding penalty, a false start, or a, a sack or a pressure that you give up. You got to live with those things and not have the knee jerk reactions. I'm glad the Giants went with consistency here. Clearly, it paid off. You know, the the only other thing I was gonna gonna mention about some of the different snap counts and what we saw was in the wide receiver room, right? Mm-hmm. So we saw Darius Slayton go down inexplicably or you know unexpectedly last week. We saw Sterling Shepard get get hurt, and Colin Johnson stepped in and had to play big minutes and big snaps and and made made a couple of catches. What what I find fascinating is John Ross comes off the IR. Kadarius Tony, they say no more training wheels on him. And you look at it, and Colin, Colin Johnson only played five snaps on offense for for these Giants. Do you, do you think that's more indicative of of game script or what they liked in Ross, or just you know how things were going with Tony? Like, what what was the reason for that? You know, go back when you think about it, and you say, "Wow, nice little performance from Collins, kind of in relief for the wide receiving core." Was anybody on the other team expecting that? And once he's on the field, what is the first thing you're going to do? Let's get rid of let's get rid of Kenny Galladay, right? Like let's start to take away the last option now after you lose your second and third wide receivers in the game and you're not getting a lot yet out of Kadarius Tony. So, I think that that's what that's a byproduct of. You're trying to take away everything else, even Evan Ingram, right? You're trying to get rid of all these other weapons, watching for Saquon Barkley and say, "Okay, you want the 10 to 12 yard routes off of Collins, that's fine." I that that that'd be my answer to that question. Then I think John Ross is talented, and he showed exactly what he is, right? Burn it, right? <laughs> Go deep, right? And he, he had a nice little comeback catch for a first down as well on, on, on a pivotal drive for the Giants in that game. The other big piece to me is C.J. Board. He played 30% of the snaps the past two weeks. So I, I think that C.J. Board has also carved out a role for a very you know specific role for himself. We know he's special teams first, but he is also occupying wide receiver reps. So you needed Collins the week prior. Now John Ross comes in and you go, well, we're not we're not going to take it away from CJ Board just because Collins happened to flash for one week. 
Ford has earned those reps on the offensive side of the ball. And I'd, I'd expect that to be more of the same and continue to sprinkle in a little bit more John Ross here and there as we wait to see how Slayton and how Shepard progress back from injury. Yeah, when you talk about Ross, you, you mentioned it best. He's a, he's a burner, and he came out and said, hey, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. I don't want you to just think about me like that. And guess what? If all he is is that one-trick pony, we're in business. If he's yeah, it's it's an elite it's an elite skill to get open yeah. like that. Look uh, look at Deshaun Jackson. The guy's going to be forty five years old and he's going to be burning past people making five million dollars a year in the NFL. Like there is a time and a place for that. If he gets any more than that, it's it's gravy. You're playing with house money. Um, you know, I, I do th- think it's interesting on the on the Colin Johnson piece. But really, the last last thing I wanted to turn over to was our tight end position. And the mix between our three tight ends of Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, and Caden Smith. Now, I'll I'll say this. I don't think that uh, Jason Garrett did Evan Ingram any favors with that, like, sweep run play that he did when, when, you know, close to the goal line, which got tackled for for a loss. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly that's going to be John Ross, Kadarius, Tony, literally anyone that has, like, breakaway speed to get around the edge. Um, But, I mean, Evan Ingram played 68% of the snaps. If I said to you over under 63% of the snaps this upcoming week against the Cowboys, which way are you, which way would you guess? Oh, you have to go under. You're going to have to go under. We're going to get into it down the road here, but you know what you're going to be facing with some of the athletic players on that defense. You're going to need some of those tight ends to be able to stand there and block for you. And then you also need consistency as a weapon. You need consistency. I think you're right, right? It's not it, it's a good play design. It's the wrong personnel when you have Ingram run that sweep. And also, though, it is an opportunity there. I'm not saying he should have, but if he had, you would have said, there you go, Evan. Like, you made it happen, right? When we needed someone to step up, you made the big play for us. And, again, the inconsistencies, it's just not someone you can rely on. And when you're a team, not only that starts 0-3, but it also has been preaching this, this idea of steady as we go, let's continue to build and build and build. And then this past week, when you see Kenny Galladay getting close to 100% of the reps finally, he's getting back to full health, right, and, and the performance he puts on. Now Kadarius Tony, a little bit of John Ross, Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield. Like everybody was getting a little bite of the apple except for Evan Ingram. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't know that the defense wasn't concerned with where he was on the field. And maybe that helped open things up, but I don't think so. Like, I mean, you know, there's plenty of weapons here now. This isn't like two or three years ago where you felt like Evan Ingram is so needed because of the threat quote unquote, that he presents to a defense. Now we, we got the guys to be those threats for you. So I, I just, I think they're giving him every opportunity to try to be successful. They want him to find opportunities and I'll be, I'll have to take a look back at the targets from last week. I'll have to take a look back, you know, how often he was running routes that were among the top or, you know, two or three looks for Daniel Jones. Cause that could also be a part of it too, of just saying, we're going to get you out there for some reps. And all we want you to do is run the reps. Like we're not even worried about using you. We just want you to run the reps and be reasonable on the field, which is such a, you know, fall from grace for a guy that obviously out of the draft and every single year since giants fans have been wanting, waiting, hoping that he would do something. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like they've given him opportunities to be explosive and be a playmaker because the giants didn't have that. Like yep. when you look at last year, you have, you have golden Tate on one of the outsides. Wasn't really getting separation. The offensive line is not giving Daniel Jones any time to throw. We have no explosive playmakers. Now, when you look at a guy like Kenny Galladay, you look at John Ross as a burner, you look at Tony Barkley's back. Now there's so many different playmakers that have explosiveness that we don't necessarily need 
explosiveness from the tight end position. We need competence, catch, catch the ball, run block protection. Like you don't, you don't need, like they were forced into putting Ingram in there because they didn't have the athleticism at other positions. Now to your point, I think with the weapons, the giants have, they, you know, they may even get Sterling Shepard back or Darius Slayton back. You, You know, the weapons start mounting up. Do you really need to risk it with Evan Ingram? If he's just, if, if, it's, if he's not all there right now. Well, and so the quick point I want to make about that also, though, in the game, remember, who had a nice little catch to move those chains and get down towards the goal line. That was Rudolph, right? Because you need a reliable guy that as you're moving down towards the red zone, you can look to and understand, especially with everything else going around on the field and all these weapons. When it comes to you got to catch it, the little footnote I was going to say was we talked about analytics so much recently. It's like, what do the analytics tell you about throwing a pass to Evan Ingram? It's like, First, you have the percentage chance that he's going to catch it. Then you have the percentage chance that he's going to fumble it, lose it, get stripped. Right? I mean, like, there's so many variables where it's just like you're better off on a play when Evan Ingram is wide open. The numbers tell you throw it into the ground at his feet. There's just no po- the, the reward is not worth the risk anymore. You, you're, you, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like you were reading my mind. There was a stat on one of the the uh, sports talk shows this morning mm-hmm. that like. They're talking about Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, how the chemistry isn't there when he's on the field, they're losing. And and yep. they showed the graphic. They're like second worst over the last uh, 18 months is Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. The worst tandem in terms of like catch percentage where balls were catchable was Evan Ingram to Daniel Jones, literally the worst one. So to your point, like, it, it, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear as day. Like the, the questions are fair about Odell Beckham and, and Baker Mayfield former New York football giant Odell Beckham. It's fair to say if if it's even worse with Evan Ingram and Daniel Jones, do we really need to continue to trot him out there for almost 70% of the offensive snaps? Last piece that we'll go to before we get out the door is to flip it back to the defensive side of the ball. At the end of the last game, overtime, coin toss, it's Jabril Peppers who's out there. He's pumped up. We, we like the attitude that he had following getting the successful heads call and the Giants going on to victory. Um, I don't know when exactly the injury occurred in the game. It makes sense that you're going to see maximum reps out of Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan once he's off the field. But Jabril Peppers only gets 25% of the snaps. He hasn't been getting maximum reps throughout the start of the season either. In the vein of improving this team where you need to, I mean, you can throw in. We've talked about this before. None of these guys are going to be worth a lot on the market. But you can think about the, the dollar amount that they can collectively add up to. It's like, do you throw Evan Ingram? Do you think about if this team can win a couple of games here heading towards week eight, the trading deadline? Is Jabril Peppers a guy that you're, you're not bringing him back? We all uh, we have to accept that. We know where the cap situation is. He's great for the team. I, I, you know, he much more than Evan Ingram seems to have a real character piece to this locker room that you don't want to mess with, and that I can completely appreciate and think that there's value in it. But there there are bodies here on this roster that you may have thought were going to be more integral to this team coming into the year that flat out aren't. And, and maybe there's a way, even if it's just a like for like backup supporting cast members to the either side of the ball that the giants could find some value out there. Well, well it's, it's a two way street with Jabril peppers actually, because he wants to be out on the open market and make money. And so the idea is like, I like being with the giants. He's clearly one of the top five, like heart and soul guys. That's the reason why he's out there for the coin flip. Everyone speaks so highly of him, but they drafted Xavier McKinney as a, as a potential replacement. Julian loves kind of in the mix. You assign Logan Ryan to the longer-term deal. You're starting to see what the safety position looks like for the future of the Giants, at least over the next two, three years. Are you really going to devote you know, 
$10 million to Logan Ryan, a first round draft pick to Xavier McKinney, and then another 10 to $12 million to Drew Bill Peppers. Like the numbers just don't add up. And right. so he's getting diminished snaps for the Giants, but he won't, he's about to go out on the open market and try to make that money. And if he's only playing 15% of the snaps for the Giants, like I could see him if, if the Giants start getting out of it being like, hey guys, I like it here a lot, but, but I'm going to make three times the amount of money on the open market and I need to showcase that. Like, can you do me a solid and maybe trade me before the trade deadline so that I can showcase myself? Because, hey, you want to go young with Xavier McKinney? Totally get it. I'm going to be a free agent. You're not going to pay me. Let's 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 do this now before at the end of the season it gets a little ugly. And I want to get my reps in so that I, I can show myself out to potential suitors. And, and by the way, what if you what if you go pick up you're going to pick up Jamie Collins out of free agency? What if you could flip Jabril Peppers? For somebody to add into the Lorenzo Carter, Z's Ojalari group, overtake O'Shane Ximenez, who's probably going to be on his on his way out as well, right? Like you might be able just to improve another area of this team for this year right now. So even if the Giants are, you know, quote unquote, still in it, I think you have to explore these options just about creating the most balanced version of this team, especially if you see some of the up and down inconsistencies on either side of the ball. And obviously defense has been a, a murky area for them so far. You, you you look at Kyler Fackrell getting pressure last night in the Chargers game. He comes up with a sack and they were like, wow, Kyler Fackrell has been great for this team. It's like he signs a $3 million deal as, as some outside, you know, edge rushing, yep. you know, uh, sacking help. Like, what if the Giants could end up dealing Jabril Peppers to get some kind of edge rush help? Yep. Like that's clearly what the team needs more than a, than an additional safety. So I'm right there with you. I love Jabril Peppers. I love his passion. You could see that he cares, and that's like one of the most important things to me is that a guy actually wants to to play and wants mm -hmm. to win. But at you know at the end of the day, Adam, we got to make this roster a little bit more balanced. And clearly, the linebacking and edge rushing position right now is a little bit of uh, you know is lacking depth at the moment. Compensatory picks obviously play a factor into all of these decisions as well. If the Giants are out of it, why rock the culture boat that you have built there on this team? So it'll be interesting to see how some of this unfolds. We'll keep our eye on the Jamie Collins stuff. That feels like a very easy yes for, for the Giants organization and for Jamie Collins, but we'll find out. Maybe he wants to go compete somewhere, and the Giants may not necessarily be checking that box for him. This one is going to be out on YouTube on Tuesday night. And guess what? It's probably going to go out as a podcast as well because it ended up being a lot – good conversation, right? Sometimes when we have these off-the-cuff things, the analytics conversation was a good one. So we're going to throw this out as a bonus episode. We'll be back in later in the week. We'll update injuries, and then we'll get into, you know it, the Dallas Cowboys and what really you thought last week was a big game. This one's even bigger to keep this season hopefully still at a point where the Giants feel like they have everything to play for on a week-to-week -week basis. Follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast, and obviously subscribe, watch, view, listen, do all those good things for us as uh, the numbers continue to climb up the boards a little bit there, and we really appreciate all of the support. In the meantime, though, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and with his charity donation jersey hanging in the rafters, demand the people know. As always, Adam, let's go big blue.